Dead things had always been special to him. Their delicate coldness, the ripe, sweet smell as they decayed, as they returned to God. The thing in his hands hadn't been dead for long. Just a few hours ago it was full of life. It was happy. It was dirty, flawed, and filthy. But now it was pure. He placed it reverently on top of the others, with God at peace. He breathed deeply, bathing in the smells. Lovely. This was what it must smell like to be God, he thought, smiling down at his collection. This was what it must smell like to be in heaven, surrounded by the dead. A smile spread across his lips like fire. He really should take his medication. Oh, but not yet. Not when there were so many dead things to enjoy. It was pissing down outside. The rain battered against the blue plastic sock tent, making conversation impossible. Not that anyone was feeling chatty at a quarter past midnight on a Monday morning. Not with little David Brookline Reed, three months short of his fourth birthday, lying on the freezing ground. They'd had to drag him out of the cold, water-filled ditch before death could be declared. Not that there was any doubt about it. The poor little sod had been dead for a long time. He was on his back on a square of blue plastic, an X-Men t-shirt pulled up around his shoulders. He wasn't wearing anything else. The camera flashed, burning an imprint on the retina. Standing in the corner, Detective Sergeant Logan McRae closed his eyes and tried to think what he was going to tell David Reed's mother. Three months of hoping her child would turn up safe and sound, while all the time he'd been lying dead in a ditch. Logan ran a hand over his tired face. Christ, he wasn't even supposed to be here. Fourteen hours since he'd reported for duty yesterday morning. So much for easing back into the swing of things. A frigid gust of wind whipped into the tent, and Logan looked up to see a sodden figure hurry in out of the rain. The pathologist. Dr. Isabel McAllister. Thirty-three, bobbed hair, brunette, five foot four. Makes little mewing noises when the inside of her thigh is nibbled. She cast a professional glance around the crowded tent, freezing when her eyes locked onto Logan. Isabel put on her professional face. Has death been declared? Aye, he is dead all right, the duty doctor gave a loud sniff. Dead for a good week, Wiley. At least two months. Isabel nodded and placed her medical bag on the ground sheet next to the bloated body. Logan looked down on Isabel's head, thinking of all the things he'd planned to say the first time he saw her again, to fix what fell apart the day Angus Robertson got sent down for thirty to life. But whenever Logan pictured this moment, there wasn't a murdered three-year-old lying on the ground between them. Half past one in the morning. D.S. Logan McRae stood in the lee of a twisted oak, using the tree as a windbreak. Four high-powered spotlights sizzled in the torrential downpour, bathing the area around the sock tent with harsh white light. Two were trained on the ditch where grim-faced police divers groped around in the waist-high water. Less than eight feet away, the river dawn surged past, swollen and dark. A search team was picking its way carefully along the riverbank by torchlight, working out in both directions. Up the hill, the blistering white television camera lights were hungry for a glimpse of dead meat. This shouldn't have been his case. 
not on his first day back. But the rest of Aberdeen's CID were either off on a training course or getting pissed at someone's retirement bash, and D.I. McPherson, who was supposed to be easing Logan back into the swing of things, was busy getting his head stitched back together after someone had tried to take it off with a kitchen knife. So here was Detective Sergeant Logan McRae, heading up a major murder inquiry, and praying to God he didn't screw up. Welcome back. Fifteen Concraig Circle was in one of the newer sections of King's Wells, a suburb just five minutes outside Aberdeen. The houses here looked as if they'd been thrown together by someone with a job lot of yellow brick and no imagination. Number 15's front door was opened by a heavy-set man in his mid-fifties with a brick-red face, moustache, and hostile bloodshot eyes. He took one look at W.P.C. Watson's uniform and said, "'Oh, bloody time you bastards showed up!' This wasn't what Logan had been expecting. "'I need to speak to Miss Reed. "'Aye? Well, you're too bloody late. "'The bloody papers were on fifteen minutes ago looking for a bloody quote. "'You should have told us first. We are his bloody family!' Logan winced. "'How the hell had the media found out that David Reed's body had been discovered?' "'I'm sorry, Mr. Reed.' Charles Reed, her dad. Uh, Mr. Reed, uh, I don't know how the press found out about this, but I promise you, whoever's responsible is going to get their backside kicked from here to Stonehaven. Logan paused. I know that doesn't make everything okay, but right now I need to speak to David's mother. Reed glowered, but he stepped aside, and Logan could see through a glazed door into a small lounge painted a cheerful yellow. In the middle of a bright red sofa were two women, one looking like a floral print battleship, the other like a zombie. The younger woman didn't look up as the police walked into the living room. Logan took a deep breath. Miss Reed. No reaction. Logan sank down on his haunches in front of the sofa. She stared right through him as if he wasn't even there. Miss Reed. Alice. Alice, we've found David. At the sound of her son's name, there was a flicker of life in her eyes. David? The word more breathed than spoken. I'm sorry, Alice. He's dead. David? He was muttered. There was a moment's silence. And then her father exploded. Fucking bastard! Fucking, fucking bastard! It was three! And if you bunch of useless bastards had got your fingers out of your arses and found him when he went missing, he'd no be dead. Three months! The family liaison officer made flapping, placatory gestures, but Mr. Reed ignored her. Logan stood and raised his hands. Look, Mr. Reed, calm down, okay? I know you're upset. A fist like a breeze block slammed into Logan's stomach, tearing at the scar tissue, making fire rip through his innards. He opened his mouth to scream, but there was no breath left in his lungs. Logan's knees buckled. A rough hand grabbed the front of his jacket, pulling him forward, keeping him on his feet as a fist was drawn back. W.P.C. Watson shouted something unprofessional, and the hand holding Logan let go. He collapsed, curling into a ball around his burning stomach. An angry shout, followed by W.P.C. Watson yelling that she was going to break Mr. Reed's arm if he didn't calm down. Mr. Reed cried out in pain. The floral battleship screamed. Charlie, stop it for God's sake! 
and after that everyone was silent. Grampian Police Headquarters was a testament to the developer's love of ugly buildings. Logan squelched into the Queen Street lobby. His flat was less than two minutes' walk away, but he was still soaking. He'd had three hours in accident and emergency. The doctors finally toughed him out into the driving rain at quarter past five this morning with a bottle of painkillers and an elasticated bandage. Good morning, sir, said a pointy-faced desk sergeant Logan didn't recognize from behind the glass partition. Can I help? Morning, sergeant, Logan said. I was supposed to be working with D.I. McPherson. The polite smile vanished as soon as the desk sergeant realized Logan wasn't a member of the public. A yell of a hard job. Knife in the head. Are you Detective Sergeant McRae? Logan flashed his warrant card to prove it. Aye, said the desk sergeant. Very pretty. You're to report to D.I. Inch. He's giving a briefing. He glanced at the clock. Five minutes ago. The smile flashed again. He doesn't like it when people are late. The briefing room was filled with serious-looking policemen and women, and all of them snapped around to look at Logan. D.I. Inch, a large, bald man in a brand-new suit, stopped in mid-sentence as Logan limped his way across to an empty seat in the front row. As I was saying, the inspector glowered at Logan. The preliminary pathologist report puts the time of death around three months ago. Three months is a long time for forensic evidence to hang around a crime scene, especially in a pissing rain. But that doesn't mean we're not going to look for it. Fingertip search. Half-mile radius from where the body was found. A groan went up. This was going to be a long, wet, shitty job. I know it's a pain in the ass, said D.I. Inch, digging in his pocket for a jelly baby. But I don't care. This is a three-year-old boy we're talking about. We will catch the bastard that did it. No fuck-ups. Understand? And while we're on the subject of fucking up, someone tipped off the press and journal last night that we'd found David Reed's body. He held up a copy of that morning's paper. The headline screamed, Murdered Toddler Found. The front page was split between a photograph of David Reed's smiling face and one of the sock tent. They called the mother for a quote before we could tell the poor cow her son was dead. Inch slammed the paper down on top of the desk. You can all expect a visit from professional standards over the next couple of days. But, believe me, their witch hunt is going to look like a teddy bear's picnic compared to mine. When I find out he did this, I will screw them to the ceiling by their testicles. He took a moment to scowl at everyone. Right, today's assignments. The inspector perched a buttock on the edge of the desk and read out the names. Who was going door to door? Who was searching the riverbank? Who was staying behind to answer the phones? The only name he didn't read out was that of Detective Sergeant Logan McRae. And before you go, said Inch, I would like to remind you that tickets for this year's pantomime are now on sale at the front desk. Make sure you buy one. <laughs>